Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Hey, it's me, Ed Peterson. And it's me, John Kiltica, Ed. We're here at the High Gain Podcast. We are. Here in beautiful West Seattle. Beautiful. Headquarters, HQ. What do we talk about? We're talking about guitars. Amps. Amps. Pedals. Pedals. Sure. Buy or deny stuff. Do you want it or don't you? I think this will be a couple weeks in a row where we're revisiting the past. We're doing a guitar we've done before. Yes. I don't know that it means we're heading into territory where you've just done all the guitars. Uh, I don't think so. No. So this is another one where we've done it before, and you know what I'm doing right now? What are you doing right now, Ed? Looking up the episode. Oh. You could go back to episode 65. 65. That is July 31st, 2019. (laughs) Did we have our shit together by episode 65? Probably. Oh my God. Listen to that. This is a hell of a Gibson Firebird guitar. I have trouble staying focused sometimes. Yeah. The caffeine helps. Have you tried medicinal quaaludes? Mm Mm-mm. Me neither. Yep. A Firebird. This is a Firebird 5 we're going to be doing today. Okay. I could tell already that it's a banger. Beverages. Beverages, Ed. That was a pretty good little beverages theme song. Riffy. What are you drinking? Uh, I've got a cup of coffee. This is the second week in a row where you stole the crow mug before I came in. I did. Not into it. Sorry about that. And I've got my shaker of Huel protein powder. Uh Uh-huh. Now with more creosote. Speaking of the creosote, Uh Cormac McCarthy, new book out. First book since the road i heard a review of it on npr were they like why is this guy so nihilistic and why is he such a bummer no i think everybody just kind of acknowledges that he's a genius yeah good i've seen a fair number of reviews that feel hot takey to me like why can't this guy be happy that is the last thing i want to read happy cormac mccarthy Cormac McCarthy can think and write about whatever the hell he wants. As long as it's bleak and terrible and (laughs) full of death and yes, agreed. I have the same beverage I had last week because I loved it so much. Okay. The Olipop in the ginger lemon. Your gut is going to thank you. My gut is going to be all over this.
That is this Gibson Firebird 5. Yeah. We're using the Marshall Studio 15 again. Yep. That's all that is. Going through the Marshall, through the Oxbox. Yes. We have chosen a 412 cabinet. Perfect. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Let's go back and review where this story starts, Ed. Okay. The year was 1963. Nothing but good stuff happened in 1963. Oh, probably. We lost Lee Harvey Oswald. (laughs) God. We lost Jack Ruby. No, he just went to jail. Well, Gibson was looking to shake things up a little bit. Shake it up, baby. They had tried shaking it up in 58, you know, with the V and the Explorer and all of that. Yeah. Do you know about our man, Raymond Dietrich? A little bit. Raymond Dietrich was an automobile designer. Yes. The checker cab that we all know about. Yep. That's a Dietrich joint. Yeah. But by the late 50s, early 60s, he was pretty much in retirement. He had left New York and for some reason, I don't know why, retired to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And he was giving talks. Design talks. Yeah, design talks or my career in the automotive industry, stuff like that. Industrial designer dude. Yeah, he designed the way the cars looked. Yep. At one of these talks was Ted McCarty Mm -hmm. of Gibson. Dong heavy. Already. He was interested in the topic, so he went to one of these talks, Ted did. And he was impressed with what Mr. Dietrich had to say about design principles and how he went about designing the cars. And so he approached him afterwards. Hey, I know it's not your thing, but how would you like to design a guitar for us? I can imagine Raymond Dietrich saying, well, I don't know anything about guitars, but you know, good design is good design, right? That's exactly what I would think his thing would be. I would imagine someone could have come up and said, hey, do you want to design a blender? You know, like Dyson has made a massive company off good industrial design. Yeah. Sure. He said, yeah, I'll do it. Why wouldn't he? And what Raymond came up with was this Firebird. Genius. The funny thing is his most famous design is that checker cab. Yeah. It's real blobby. What I feel like he went for with this was the 50s era big fin Chevy. It's clearly a take on the Explorer, but it feels like he was going for that. I can totally see that. And this is a first for Gibson. This guitar is neck through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a five-ply slab of wood going all the way through. You gotta think that dude designed the silhouette, the end. Do you think Dietrich was like, here's the design, and by the way, the neck has to be one piece of wood from the headstock to the butt? I don't know. Yep. Then they put what are called wings on either side of this central strip of wood. Yep. The central strip of wood is raised. Just enough that it is kind of flush with the pick guard. There are banjo tuners on the headstock, so if you're looking at this thing dead on from the front, you can't see the tuners. Right. They don't stick out to the side. They go straight back. Yeah. This is a 1990 Firebird 5 reissue. It is. In 63, the same appointed Firebird would have had a Vibrola on it. I am not into the Vibrola version on that thing. It's got that big tailpiece that goes all the way back. Yeah. They had not nailed Vibrola tech at that point. There's a spring and an arm, and that's it. Tuning problems with that system. It's probably a nightmare. Yeah. 
This guitar is a Gibson Firebird reverse. Yeah. Normally on most guitars, the top horn sticks out more, and that's what we would call kind of regular. That horn that sticks out more is on the bottom as opposed to on the top. There is a non-reverse where the top sticks out a little more. Yeah. And that thing is ugly as hell. Yeah. I think that's the one that you like, John. Now that I'm holding this one, I think I like this one. You know what else I've got at my house? What? A Gibson Explorer. Yeah. Is my Gibson Explorer a reverse? Apparently. Except they do not call it that. It just is. They only apply that reverse, non-reverse to the Firebird. It doesn't make sense. Whatever the prime example of anything in the world is, it is what it is. Right. If you say to someone, I've got a Firebird, they are going to think this one. No one says I have a Firebird reverse. No one says that. Yeah. You only say it if you've got the really ugly non-reverse one. <laughs> then you say it. <laughs> I got a question for you, Ed. Yeah. Given that sound that I'm making come out of this thing, who do you suppose Gibson designed this for and hoped would use it in 1963? Who did they think the market was? <laughs> you hear these things and you just assume they're dummies, right? You ask me that question, <laughs> I assume it's the dipshittest answer ever. So it's probably like big band jazz guys or something. You, Ed? Yeah. Are correct. <laughs> I kind of am going with that because the Jazzmaster and Jaguar are kind of in the same uh, era. What jazz player is going to play these things? So I just kind of peg it to the year and think jazz. Well, here's what they said about it. A new, exciting, dramatic shape to match the brilliance of their sound, the beauty of their tone, in new ultra-modern solid body guitars by Gibson. The very shape of jazz, designed for the fast action of jazz artists' fleeting fingers. Thin, light, deeply cut away for easy access to every fret. They can only be Gibson. Sure, of course. I'm trying to think, is there a reason you would want to put mini humbuckers in a jazz box? They can be, in some instances, brighter, but does Jazz Cat want that? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. How bright does this shit get? That's pretty bright. As long as we're there, that is the bridge pickup. Very mm -hmm. bright. Here's a neck pickup. Very necky. Oof. And then we go back to the middle. And there you have it. Too many humbuckers. Tunematic bridge stop tail. Binding on the neck only, trapezoid inlays. This particular example we have, this 1990, is in vintage Sunburst. Yep. There's a lot of cool touches on these guitars. Yeah. Okay, so you're a jazz cat in 1963. You are super stoked. You're going to mm. run right out, Ed, as soon as you're done smoking the marijuana cigarette and sure. clicking your fingers. Yeah. You're going to grab your turtleneck and your beret. Yeah. And run on down to the Gibson store. Sure. $1963. What are you paying for this thing? This one's going to be bad. It's going to be bad, John. 
$323? I'm a third off. That's pretty bad. It's like $2,400 in today dollars. That price feels correct, I guess. You know, this is the new cool thing. For the jazz cats. Yeah. Coming off 58. This is only five years after they introduced the Explorer, the V. None of that stuff took off. And they were all weird shapes. Yeah. It seems weird that they tried again. It's a take on the Explorer shape for sure. But the Explorer, not successful. You know, in 1963, The Great Escape came out. That's a great one. It's really good. It's got, what's his name? With the, Steve McQueen. He's got some great eyes. R.I.P. Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yeah. In 1963, you could get a Firebird 1. It only had one pickup. One pickup, yeah. You could get a 2 that was a base. You could get a 3 mm. that had three pickups. A 4 that was a base. Mm -hmm. A 5 like this one with the aforementioned Vibrola. Or a 7 that had three pickups. There must have been different appointments on the 3 and the 7, right? The 3 had two pickups. The 7 had three. Why doesn't the three have three pickups? I guess they're just looking to not make sense. Right. If I were in the market for a 63 and the options were exactly what you just laid out. Yeah. I would buy the one because I don't want the Vibrola. And one pickup we've established, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, Ed. Yeah? We've got a pedal. That's a really good song. That's pretty good, huh? What did you bring today? What is this thing? I brought a Dirty Haggard Audio. Uh-huh. Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper fuzz. There's lots of bright colors on it. The art? Is pretty cool. Is rad. I went to Substation a couple weeks ago and went to a pedal show. Yeah. Our man Nick was there, and it was great talking to him. Nick from Dirty Haggard. Dirty Haggard. And Nick has a lot of cool pedals. He does. But this one was like, I really like the art. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's cool. It's an octave fuzz. It's octave down. Let's see. That's like fuzz way up. If I turn it's the fuzz all the way down. You get a cool octave pedal. Right, and you can even turn the fuzz off. One thing with that guitar is it is so goddamn long. It's very long. That's pretty cool. I like when you bring the fuzz in, it seems to really accentuate the weird glitchy stuff in it. That. More of that, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's based on the maestro fuzz, but then it's modified to be a little more gnarly. Gnarly. Yeah, it's super fun. It's been locked on the board since I got it. The two stages are slightly out of phase and like fight with each other, which yeah. gives you that glitchy That's stuff. great. You're playing right now the way I sort of play it. Fuzz all the way up and the octave 
maxed out. This is exactly what the marketing geniuses at Gibson had in mind in 1963 when they were designing this thing. Of course. Octave fuzz and ripping riffs. Yeah, Jack. Playing the fuzz with the octaves. Thank you for bringing the pedal, Ed. You're welcome. <laughs> Dirty Haggard Audio Gatekeeper. Yeah. It's pretty rad. You probably need this. Yeah. We're getting a lot of chunk out of this Marshall. I guess that's what happens when you put it on 10. Yeah. In 1965, Ed, that's when they did the non-reverse. Interesting thing happened because of that. Yeah. They did the non-reverse in the body, and they also did the non-reverse headstock and put the tuners on the base side, which caught the attention of the fellers over there at Fender. Oh. Fender thought it violated their design patents. As far as I could find, that never went anywhere. I think they just bitched about it and then didn't do anything. Sure. Why not? Gibson, they'd still be in court. 66? Yeah. Can you imagine this, Ed? The Firebird 12. Oh. 12 string. I don't know if I've ever seen one. I certainly have never played one. That sounds awesome. And then by 1970, uh huh. No more Firebirds. Seven year run. Not very successful, right? Not very successful. You picture it as sort of Southern rock. The Leonard Skinner boys. Yeah. Like anyone in 38 Special probably played this thing. Who do you picture playing this thing? Certainly not the Jazz Cats. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's buying their kid one for Christmas. But if this is a 1990 that we're holding, yep. then that must mean they weren't completely done. Sure enough, they weren't. Okay. They did a series of weirdnesses <laughs> beginning in 1972 with the Medallion Firebird. It had a little round metal embedded into the body. Yeah. And that was meant to commemorate the 1972 Olympics. Those are the Munich ones? Yeah, where 11 Israelis were killed by the Palestinian group known as Black September. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or if the medallion firebirds had been planned well in advance. That seems like that had to be in production beforehand. They only made like 300 of them. We say that, but then see previous comments about marketing geniuses at Gibson <laughs> in 60s and 70s. So who knows? Yeah. Timing's everything. 1976. Yeah. They did a similar thing. Bicentennial. Bicentennial. Yeah. So you notice that the logo on the pickguard of this thing is a firebird, a phoenix. Yep. Typically that's engraved in the pickguard in all red. In 1976, that was red, white, and blue. There's a 76 for 4,400. It's not bad. You know. Now it's the 80s. What nonsense are they going to get up to now? bad decisions. Yeah. I don't know. Are there weird, fancier, Floyd Rosie dumb versions or something? 
In the 80s, they made what was called the CMT. It had a maple top on it and a mahogany body, two regular humbuckers, a set neck as opposed to neck through, but they put all those Moog electronics in it. Ugh, rad. Yeah. With, Come on. With the multiple batteries. People were not really into that. Give me one of those. <laughs> Give me the dumbest guitar ever. You want to put some batteries in your Firebird? Oh my God. Bad decisions on top of bad decisions. I love it. They made virtually every wrong decision. <laughs> they took out the block inlays. They put binding on the body, but removed it from the neck. That is terrible. Terrible. Now we come up to the fun part. Okay. 1990, Gibson releases the Designer Collection. In that collection was this very guitar I hold, this Firebird 5. So they went from that CMT to the 90. Yeah. I guess they couldn't get to a place where they were Damn. like, when are we going to make something that we can just leave in continuous production? I guess it just didn't happen. But it begs a question, Ed. Mm. In 1990, this Firebird reissue, which is what it was called, what are you paying for this thing? This thing is a 1990. It's not a vintage guitar. This thing is just like brand new. Wait, it's 32 years old. <laughs> oh, holy shit. I am ancient. Yeah. 1990, you are paying uh, $1,200? Check this out. Yeah. 1990, you're paying $899. Yeah. Looking back, I probably didn't have that. Yeah, what is that? 2K? Huh. That sounds right. What do you think of that guitar, John? I love it. Do you? I do. Okay. What do you know about the Firebird X, Ed? I think that is a guitar that Gibson made that didn't do well. So they decided to throw a shit ton of them in a landfill and then roll over them with a bulldozer. That is, is this, correct. Is, is this that? It had three on a side tuners. Terrible. Onboard digital effects. Terrible. It had very little similarity to any Firebird we would like. <laughs> yeah, they were all thrown in a pit and destroyed. Yeah. Still, I think to this day, nobody knows the circumstances. Right. For all we know, were those counterfeit? I don't know if we gave them the benefit of the doubt at the time. I probably didn't because that's my kind of MO. But in retrospect, the 2022 Kinder Gentler, Ed. Oh. These things were going in the scrap heap. And that is probably standard operating procedure for stuff that doesn't get sold. I suppose it's possible that they were flawed. Here's a batch, and they're all fucked up. Yep. What's it going to cost us to fix each of these? Not worth it. Mm-hmm. I think last week we talked about that Marshall that you've got, the Studio 15. There were 250 of them made, and they were unsuccessful. Yes. Imagine they had made 2,500, and they sold 250. What would happen to them? They would go in a landfill. They might remove the speakers and the tubes. Yeah. But end of the day, I bet that chassis is getting thrown in some dump. You gotta try it. Try and decide. Is it hello or goodbye? Goodbye or goodbye. Hey, Ed. Yeah. 
This is a 1990 Firebird reissue mm-hmm. in vintage Sunburst mm-hmm. with the two Firebird pickups on it. Right. Buy or deny. I bought it, John. You bought it? Yeah. Wow, this does not happen very much. Not a ton. Ed owns this guitar. Yeah. When we did the episode, I just loved it. And I don't remember what the year was in that older episode, but our good friend Uncle Frank over there at Thunder Road Guitars. ThunderRoadGuitars.com? Yeah, that place. Yeah. He kind of knows what's on my list. This one came back from Texas. Yeah, there was a guitar show in Arlington. Yeah. And Frank, he's got my number. He like texted me the day he got it, (laughs) which is maybe the good side and the bad side of being so close to that shop. Yeah. What about you, John? This is a buy for me. They were never really at the top of my list, but man, I am vibing with this thing. Something about how long that neck is. Yeah. This is great. Can you dig that? It's Doug. Okay. Let's take pictures. Yeah. Put them up on the Instagrams and the Facebooks. Shout out to our good friend, Nick, over there at Dirty Haggard Audio. Nick at Dirty Haggard? DirtyHaggard.com. Gatekeeper fuzz. Very cool. Yes. And as always. Yeah. We are enthusiastic members of the Ruinous Media Network of music-related podcasts. I think we're supposed to go meet those guys downtown. I think we are. I think we are supposed to go to the ruinous blanket party. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. The yeah. beverages, yeah, they're out back. You first. Exactly. <laughs> so if like middle of the week, no episode drops or anything, yeah, call somebody. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was awesome, Ed. It was. Yeah. You want to do it again next week? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye.